This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Matt Wade, VP of Marketing at Bluebotics, about his journey in the past 2.5 years building the ABM program at Bluebotics. Now, this is I'm really excited about this conversation because it, it's 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 rare that we you get the glimpse into an ABM program like this that has been running for a while and organizations that would stick with the program. So super excited about this conversation and hearing more about the journey. Matt, thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast. Pleasure. Nice to be here. All right. So let's let's dive right in, Matt. I, I want to love to hear about if you could paint us a bit of a picture in terms of what Bluebotics ABM program looks like today. And then we can kind of go back in stages of like how did that maturity of today's maturity happen over time? So can you give us a little bit of a picture of, of where ABM is, is, is at at, uh, at Bluebotics? Sure. So today I, we are running two ABM programs currently. Um, now, these are targeting different, um, different targets because as a business, we, we produce autonomous navigation technology, which goes inside vehicles like automated forklifts and mobile robots that are used in factories. So very much B2B. And one of our programs is what we call a one to few. So with a small target list, and that is targeting a particular type of vehicle maker. So the kind of OEM that we like to work with and that we want to integrate our technology inside those vehicles. So that's a small target list of around 15. The other program we're doing is for the agency uh, and it's generally called a one-to-many, so much larger, ta- larger target list of something like three, 400 companies. But on that side, we're not targeting vehicle OEMs. We're much more looking at potential end users of those vehicles, and that's part of our strategy to help our customers sell more. So what we're really doing is talking to those guys. It's more of an educational piece almost about the type of technology and weaving into that, you know, the navigation inside them and how that helps. Interesting. Interesting. And and tell us a little bit, let's let's dive into one of the few, like what does that look like, uh, the program? What, what, what are the bits and pieces that go into the one to few program? So if we take it in phases, we, we typically start, well, obviously we have to decide what, what, what our general targeting approach is. So what's the strategy there? And for this one, without going into too much, too much, too much kind of company detail, we're targeting a, a 
producers of a particular type of automated vehicle with the aim that they, as they look to upgrade their navigation technology, that they choose uh, Bluebotics. And we start a program like that by defining the type of target and building out like customer profiles and, and personas. And then what we do is use any what's called an in, intent data tracking tool. So what we'll do is we'll load into that themes and keywords and, okay, we're looking to find out which companies are engaging with these kind of themes. So we'll, we'll load in a huge list of potential target companies. Oh, not necessarily huge for one to few, but, but a, a longer list than we would end up with. And we'll load in keywords and themes and so on. And from there, we'll see, okay, so maybe we loaded in 50 or 100 companies. We see these 10 or these 20 sometime within the last few months are kind of engaging with those themes. So that might be somebody at that IP address reading an article on that topic or searching or watching a video on that topic. And what that's given us is a list basically saying, okay, these 20 companies, there seems to be some activity on these themes, which suggests that they might be in market for this type of technology. Because the goal really with the intent phase is not to target just equally companies that may or may not be anywhere near and needing our kind of technology. It's really finding which are, let's say, in market or interested at the time so that we, uh, I guess, prime the pump to some degree and try and target people who are likely to be receptive to that message. So, so that's the first stage. So after the personas, we, we do the intent tracking. And then once we have that list, then we'll work much more on, okay, what's our messaging going to be and what are our tactics going to be through the program? We're talking generally about a program for a one-to-few campaign of an initial program of around six months. And the first three months is really that planning, developing content, and developing the tactics we're going to use. And then the second three months is the, the let's say, the activation period. Interesting, interesting. And would you be able to shed some light on the one-to-many as well um, of like, what, the, what does that look like? Yeah, so... I mean, both are similar in the sense that they're both very much kind of a multi-channel program, right? So they're incorporating everything from from programmatic ads at a branding level through LinkedIn ads, through what we call social selling. So like connection campaigns from our staff to target, target end users on LinkedIn. We also use tactics like content syndication, where we'll take a guide we produced and, and host that on additional sites as a lead gen kind of tool and up to and including marketing email sequences for, you know, once we have the email address of somebody, they've downloaded the guide or something, there'll be a marketing sequence and then also sales sequences for those that have really engaged strongly with the marketing sequence. So there's all these different kind of tactics and tools coming together. So that's across both of them. I'll get to your question, sorry. And then the one- No, no, this is great great stuff. No, no, please. (laughs) So the one-to-many, how is it different to the one-to-few? Well, one-to-few, we were probably looking at around 15 target accounts. One-to-many, we're looking uh, more in the hundreds. And we're using that for our end-user campaigns because, you know, you can imagine that the potential end-users of this type of automated vehicle in a factory or in a warehouse, I mean, it's pretty much any company that produces anything who has a production area, a logistics area, and is looking to move materials and goods and finished products around and between those two parts of the site. So, yeah, it one-to-many is, is... So it's a larger target list, and as a result, the messaging, by definition, is a little less personalized. With a one-to-few, you're really trying to personalize that down to a target company level. 
with the insights you know about that company. One to many, you're, you're, you're more grouping them into bigger groups and that they're slightly wider personas. But, but we're looking at them based on you know, our, our kind of strategic company target list. Also that they meet certain parameters, okay, company of this size and this many sites and so on, you know, employee numbers, all that kind of thing. And the, yeah, it's just more of a wider, uh, a larger net really, yeah, with the one-to-many program. So similar range of tactics and everything. Uh, the difference with our one-to-many is that currently we've got that as an ongoing program because, you know, you can imagine it takes the, the lead time for a company, oh, maybe we need to automate this process and then getting buy-off in the investment and actually going out and researching those kind of solutions. That's, that's a good few months. So just doing a, a short hit isn't, isn't going to work. Interesting. Interesting. And so, so one, one too many is an ongoing process and then one too few, it sounds like you're refreshing it every six months. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. A, a standard program on the one too few is, is um, six months. And the first one we did back two or three years ago, we refreshed that once. So we did an additional six months. The current one to view, which I ex- explained, like targeting this particular type of what we call AGV, automated guided vehicle manufacturer, that we're in the first phase. We're just within those six months, we're probably in month four or five. So we're just in the initial stage of the activation. So that means marketing activities, ads, and so on are happening, but we're not at the at the end of that yet, which is more where the sales team would be engaging and uh, uh, talking with contacts. Interesting. Interesting. Got it. Got it. Okay. You've, you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but love to hear like, so how did you get here? Like, what did the journey look like? You know, today you're running a, a both tiers, you know, one to one, one, one to few and one to many. What was the journey getting to this point in uh, with regards to ABM at uh, Bluebotics? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty much followed. It's kind of, evolved in parallel with the marketing operation of the company, I would say. So a bit of history, I I joined here in 2019, summer of 2019. And we're a small company, we're 55 people today, we were 30 then. And I was the first full-time kind of marketing employee, came in as the head of marketing here. And having obviously researched the company during the interview process and so on, it, it was clear that ABM could be a good fit because at, a, at the level of our core business where we're looking to work with vehicle makers and integrate our navigation and really be the, the intel inside of their vehicles, it was clear that you know, the, the bigger vehicle makers we can work with, the more that's going to scale over time. You know, the, the, they sell a vehicle, we sell a system. So targeting the, the bigger players will be key. I didn't do anything or we didn't do anything for the first few months because I was still in learning mode, you know, learning the business. And we put our first program live in March next year. So March 2020, we, we basically did actually a one-to-many. That was our very first program. And we were targeting anyone interested in autonomous navigation. Now, the way I look back at this is a kind of, I see it as a test program now. I'm not sure I did then, but, but I see it as a test program now because what, what, we, what I realized gradually is that, you know, people searching for and interested in that topic of autonomous navigation, once you, even once you filter out, you know, anyone looking at Teslas and cars, because this is nothing to do with road cars, what we saw is that the people interested in that topic, they could be end users or they could be vehicle makers because they're looking for that tech. I mean, it could be end users, like how do these vehicles work? Or it could be somebody, okay, I need 
natural navigation to go inside this robot that I've already designed. So in the end, it ended up being a bit of a catch-all campaign, which is not ideal for ABM. You, you really need it super, super targeted. So that was a great six months of, of learnings, I would say. And, and out of that, we create literally like a 46-page ebook as the key content asset. So that, that's something we still use in various forms today. But that was a little bit too general, but we learned a lot, I would say. Fast forward a, another six months. So the second half of 2020, that's when we put the first, the first of our two one-to-few programs into action. So this was targeting, a, again, a particular type of vehicle maker. And this was much more personalized content and, and really properly uh, targeted and, and run through. Six months later, we, we, no, not six months later. So that was, yeah, that was second half of 2020, first quarter of 2021. And then this year, we, we refreshed that once or twice. And then second half of 2022, we started working on the new one to few, which is, it's had some delays, but that's in progress now. And, uh, and then at the end of the year, we also started this new one to many. So we're about six months into the current one to few and one to many. It's a bit of a potted history, but uh, yeah, lots of learnings no, that's there the way. I think we're getting better each time, you know? No, I think that, yeah, that's very valuable. And, and kind of you, you've described how Star would want to many, broadened that a little bit, narrowed it, broadened it, um, and, and allowed you to kind of get to this point where you're running two tiers, one to many and one to few today. Yeah, and I think what? that's, as, as I say, sorry to interrupt, as I say, that's no, really in parallel with my learning of the business. You know, if I if I was doing it all again, I would start ABM a little bit later to get maybe another six months of of knowledge of our users, the end users, who who's interested in what. Um, but I think that's just, uh, I think it was probably, even when I started here, not even a year before was my first kind of real learning about ABM as a, as a, as a concept, as a tactic. And I was honestly very enthusiastic to to try that, and it seemed a good fit. But yeah, that first program I think was a learning tool because we, we did it arguably a little bit too early. But learnings are learnings, so they're all valuable. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. And and you touched on this. This is a great segue. I want I want to ask about mistakes. And you you talked about that in terms of like obviously understanding the business better. Very critical. What are some of the other mistakes that you've kind of encountered and, and you would do differently if you go back? I can think of two. I think in the beginning, we we probably didn't have a strong enough, I didn't put a strong enough focus on attribution and, and KPIs. Definitely not with the with the first program, but that's something we've been strengthening along the way. And I think that's, I think, you know, if I was going in today with the, with the experience I've had so far, that that's... That's something I'm going to be pushing hard with our partners at the agency just to really nail that down from day one and to track that much more regularly and strongly. On the attribution, that that's like really proving this came from ABM and these, these you know, brand awareness improved as a result of this. And these leads came from that. You're, you're, with a multi-channel approach in ABM, that, that's, that's really a big challenge. That, that's not easy at all. So to manage the attribution of all those tactics is is a big challenge and i, I think that the the more focus on kpis has come along with like my growth as a marketer and also our evolution as a company uh, as i say uh, when i say it's in parallel with our marketing growth if you like uh, our big 
focus at the beginning was just was just brand awareness was was getting blue bodics known by more potential vehicle makers and end users in the industry so we did a lot around that at the beginning you know uh, alongside abm we were doing a lot of pr and a lot of paid social just just boosting 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 and trying trying to get our our name out there so a lot of those initial kpis were brand based so that that was great i mean we did really well in terms of brand awareness impressions and so on but uh, it's important to obviously have an even stronger focus of KPIs through what we call the three R's, right? So you've got reputational brand awareness, relationships, conversations with, and then revenue uh, stage. So yeah, attribution and KPIs will be my number one. Push harder on that. And, and, my and, second and on one, that note, before on. before we go on two, I want to I want to dig a little bit deeper. So how are you doing it now? Like how did you? have improved this, the, the KPI and the attribution over time. What does that look like? What does that look like now? So on, on KPIs, we have, we have very concrete KPIs for each program in place, agreed, and it's been, been monitored and assessed with myself and our VP of sales. Basically, for each of these programs, we have a weekly call, and then the reporting, um, and the reporting call is done on a monthly basis for both programs. And um, I'm lucky as well that our new VP of sales has huge industry experience in much larger companies. Um, so he's bringing um, a lot of kind of a, a lot deeper experience there and, and is helping me, helping me keep that on track. The second mistake that I was going to mention, which I'm, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit embarrassing because I read a lot about ABM at the beginning. And obviously everything you read about how to do ABM is sales and marketing alignment is important. So I feel like I've I've read I don't know how much about that, but then doing that is different to reading about it. And I think, uh, and even if you think you're doing it, you might not 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 be doing it perfectly. And I think what we learned, or what I learned in particular from the first one to few program, is that it's so in an ABM program. Think of it in my experience, in two, two halves of an ABM program. And the first half is very much marketing activities. It's your programmatic ads and your LinkedIn ads and so on, and marketing email sequences, that type of thing. The second half is much more sales-led, needs to be much more sales-led. So it's the agency and marketing and working with sales. Okay, so we have an explaining, okay, this target account had this engagement. Why don't you contact them through here or try calling them up or, you know, different different actions at different phases depending on the engagement, but it's much more sales, can you now do this and let's do this together. Now, I think with the first one to few, the mistake we made was we pretty much presented the ABM program to the entire sales team at the beginning, but then only involved them when we got to the second half. By which point it's just, you know, lost in the fog of day-to-day business. And what we're doing now by contrast is that these weekly calls, that they have the relevant sales managers right from the beginning of the campaign. So they're aware, okay, what's happened? And when we say this target account is engaged, what does that mean? Oh, they've done this, they've read this, they've clicked this, you know. So it's much more fresh in their minds and they've seen there's a psychological aspect, I think. They've seen all the work that's gone in, that they've bought into the to the process. So I think involving them from day one at the right level, but at a, at a deeper level than you probably think as a marketer, that's really key. And equally, I think the second thing I learned on that same point is 
you it's not necessary to include the entire sales team. We have a sales team of something like six sales managers. It's not necessary to include them all by default for every program. You know, pe- people are different and some people are going to be more engaged, more interested. It's more in keeping with their skill set than others. You know, your, your road warrior salesperson who's always traveling and always at shows and always seeing clients and is, you know, resharing your LinkedIn posts the least because they're always traveling. That, that might not be the perfect person to, to be involved in your ABM campaign. Whereas somebody who's like super enthusiastic about tech and always on LinkedIn and, you, you know, they're more they're digital and they have more time in the office, that, that could be a good fit in my experience. So I think what we've done with the, the, the newer programs, if we, we, we've talked through the, the, the concept and we've built out the targeting together and then we've literally said, okay, well, we think this needs two salespeople. Who's, who's the most interested and who does this make the most sense for? And from the, from that again, you, you get off to a good start, I think, and then keeping them involved through the process. Uh, all of which I read about before we started, but uh, yes, reading yeah, is different than know, doing, huh? It's not the yep. same. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, uh, I also want to. We touched on ROI, and I, I want to dig a little bit deeper in terms of how are you able to show ROI along the way and keep the leadership team on board. I think that's really critical. And, and show that ABM takes a while to show results. How, how, how did you accomplish that um, you know, before leadership go and say, shut this ABM thing off, it's not, it's not working? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I think we started, and, and continue really, but we started by explaining that it's, it's a marathon and not a sprint particularly when you're starting from the point of view of needing to grow brand awareness quite a lot. I mean, we had brand awareness, but, but there was def- definitely room for expansion there. So making that, that point, I think at, if, you, if we take the agency's three R's, right, and we start with reputation, so brand awareness, those, those metrics are fairly easy to show because they're, they're coming from all your digital activities and impressions and clicks and eyeballs on videos. And that, that is... Fairly, fairly simple. And in the beginning, we, we talked really about numbers. So, okay, this many tens of thousands of people saw this video and so on. What we're doing more in recent times is we're saying, okay, the target list is this many companies. What percentage of these companies have seen content, engaged with content, you know, through that three-hour process? And I think that's, we'll see, but I think that I suspect that's a, a better approach. So on the brand level, that's fairly easy to track. On the second R, which is uh, relationships, so that's really ongoing conversations. There's been at least some level of back and forth between humans in our company and the target account. These are maybe perhaps a little bit more manual to track because it could be, you know, we've sent them a connection request from our sales manager on LinkedIn and they've responded and a, a conversation ensued, Right. So this is done a little bit more manually, really, by the agency. That that's part of their their workload. But we pull those together into how many how many conversations with how many contacts in the different target accounts. Revenue is for sure the tricky one, both in the sense that you know it's a, a long time coming on, on our on our navigation business. For example, we might start talking to a vehicle maker, and it might take months, years before they they start their vehicle project with us. But what we did for the first program is we, we took all the, the recent 
partnerships and kind of worked it backwards as far as which of those were either on a target list or would have been, or we could show that that had been influenced by ABM content. So they'd engaged with some of that. So that's the way we did it in the beginning. I think with the newer programs, certainly with the one-to-many, that will be easier because it's a direct contact. It's an end user, sees some content, sees an ad, comes through to the site, and then we have the, the full CRM underneath. So that we can track all the way through to, you know, introducing them to our vehicle maker customers. But yeah, I think that the, the main point there is on the revenue side that it's about what was the direct result and what was and where did ABM influence that? And in, and in most cases, it's going to be an influence. That, that's the, the majority of the, the kind of uh, engagement you're going to see, I think. Got it. Got it. We've talked a fair bit about reporting. I'm, I'm curious, did you introduce any tools, any ABM tools into Bluebotics? Or were you solely relying on the partnerships that you had with uh, with your agency and so on and so forth in, in terms of the tools that they had uh, did you did you introduce anything in the organization i would say not not really on this specific abm side so the the different tools that we use via the agency for that kind of multi-channel program that they're very much pulling that together for the for the reporting we obviously do uh, better and better i think our, our own reporting of our other activities particularly digital so for an example we have a fairly on the end user side now we have a fairly wide reaching and solid uh, google ad program across you know display youtube everything and what has been key one point uh, recently has been key is really to separate those two out and to make sure there's no kind of cross pollution of your of your reporting stats so any target account that's in an abm program is excluded from the Google program, partly for to make the reporting easier, and partly because you know it's not our intention to just spam uh, spam with ads or messages or emails any of the target accounts. So we want to make sure that if they're in the ABM program, they see just what we're doing in the ABM program, and they're not being additionally retargeted or seeing you know Google ads, and it can just it could easily become too much, and that's. Our goal is not to, you know, frustrate the people we're trying to do business with. Interesting. So all the content syndication, display ads, intent data, you know, even reporting that all kind of sits with with the agency, and you haven't really like internalized or brought brought a tool to kind of do any of that stuff within the company. Is that is that right? Not yeah, not on that side. No, I have um, we have a team. We have four or five uh, in the marketing team of different percentages. And they're focused on on everything but ABM. Um, but where the overlap comes in terms of work, if you like, is the content. So we have a dedicated content manager. We do we do, we do a lot on as far as social content, uh, blog posts, videos, and we we produce that very much with a with an eye on the ABM program. There's not much we've created that's specific to ABM, but a lot of what we produce for Bluebotics content marketing in general becomes very valuable for the ABM program. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Matt, I have a couple of rapid fire questions that I want to ask you, but before we get there, you think, is there, is there anything that maybe I haven't touched on where you think it's important for us to talk about with regards to introducing, growing an ABM program and kind of maturing it over, over a period of time? 
Not that I could think of. My, I suppose my, my summary point would be that the buy-in early on from management and keeping the sales team alongside and, uh, and then accompanying all that with very solid concrete KPIs and monitoring so that everyone is aware of the progress. And, and equally, they can all chip in additional ideas because they're, they're engaged in the process. That's, that never does any harm to have additional inputs. Hey, it's me again. Just here to let you know that I'll be hosting XGrowth's upcoming webinar about increasing your share of wallet with ABM and customer marketing. You'll hear from Stephanie Desham, Head of Marketing, APJ at Boomi, Suzanne Pelizari, Director of Global Account-Based Marketing at CSG, and of course, Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at XGrowth. So catch us live at 12.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Friday the 16th of June. Save your spot and register with the link in the podcast description. I'll see you there. That's with some rapid fire questions. Sure. All right. The first thing, first thing I want to ask is what is what is one book? And it sounds like you are you are a reader from from all the ABM stuff that you've gone through. So what is one resource? It could be a book, it could be a blog, podcast, talk, whatever it is that has had an impact on the way you work or live. What comes to mind? Can I say two? Yeah, of course. I can never of get course. down to one. <laughs> um, one book, Building a Story Brand, that one, for sure, which is very much how to build your company messaging around that hero journey of uh, the cu- and puts the customer at the center rather than we do this, this is our product, I'll be great. So that one for sure, that really helped us rework all the Blue Bodics messaging when I arrived and make it much more clear what we do. And the second one that springs to mind is uh, They Ask, You Answer which as far as what do I do for content marketing, just read that and do, do what he says because that's, um, it's perfect really. I love it. I love it. All right. Fantastic. Question number two, if you could give one piece of advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? Treat your sales team as, and your marketing teams as the same team. That's so cr- That's so true and so hard sometimes. Who are some of the influencers in, the, in, the, in this space that you follow? I had a bit of an obsession with Gary V in the early days, uh, oh. as far as social media and how to do that is concerned. Yep, yep. And uh, there was I actually went to a, a there's a B two B marketing conference in the UK that I've that I've um, popped into once or twice, which is very good. I think it's just called that. I think it's I think it's B two B marketing. Yeah, B two B marketing. The yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And. Those are the main two that spring to spring to mind right now. I think that's something I don't know about other marketers, but it's something I always struggle with. If you're in a fairly kind of SME size company and you're running the marketing there, it's it, it's quite hard, you know, to find peers to bounce ideas off. So, you know, we've ended up kind of um, creating a couple of groups of marketing peers in companies the same size for you know grabbing the occasional lunch with and just asking them a bunch of questions because. Uh, it's following people online is great and you can learn a lot, but it's also, you know, they're mainly often out of the US. It's a different market, the different kinds of businesses. You know, you see that from shows. You go to a show in the US and people walk up to the stand and go, scan me. And you go to a show in Germany and you sometimes have to prize a business Get away card from me. out of someone's hands. <laughs> um, Don't scan so me. Think, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> So I think it's useful to have, you know, peers locally who understand, you know, not just mm. maybe your industry, but even more the the market and Europe and 
the culture and yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, last question. What is something that excites you about B2B today? Well, my background is tech and, and it was tech journalism before marketing. So tech B2B is, is very much kind of what floats my boat really. But what is, what is interesting to me the most is that as a marketer, you're, I don't think you could possibly be bored. You're working across so many different activities and fields and trying to pull all of that together into a kind of cohesive approach. That's for me what, what keeps you fresh and interesting. And every single one of those fields is evolving all the time. So whether it's, you know, whether it's paid social or whether it's SEO, whether it's chat GPT, there's a, it's a, a, for somebody that kind of loves reading and, and learning continually, that's, it's, it's a good fit from that sense. It is fascinating. It is fascinating. Matt, just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was a great session. Um, I took away a lot from it as well, and I'm sure it's going to be the same thing for a lot of people who's going to be listening to the podcast. So thanks so much again for your time and, and come on the, uh, on the show. You're welcome. Thanks very much. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywell and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.